0: So All right. Let's get rolling.
1: Uh, looks like we're missing a couple people. Old, we have a so new student. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, let's see. So we left off last week. Boy, I went a lot slower than I was supposed to go. I was enjoying the conversation. We did the introductions and such. But uh, we've got some ground to make up, but we're going to do that next week. Uh, we'll talk about... Um, our leadership development. We started talking about that, just talking about qualifications for pastor. but we'll get into our pastors and training program and outreach um, and then even talk a little bit about uh, what we do with missions here at CBC. What we normally do at the end of the first week is we have Billy who is our treasurer come and talk about our uh, how we handle finances at CBC and our philosophy there. And uh, and then the beginning of the second week, we normally have Wayne Albright, who is in charge of our security, come and speak about that. And because of Promotion Sunday happening here next door today, and my part in that as the as the student ministry coordinator, um, we put off that part and we're gonna to skip to that both of their sections today. So they're gonna kind of team teach this class for you and then next week we'll pick up where we left off. So in your workbooks if you have anybody need another workbook for today? Um, There's always some student the, the that forgets the book. their book. That's me. That's That's me. Yeah. You got one? You need one too? There you go. So we're gonna skip ahead to page six is where uh, Billy's Materials is gonna start off at the bottom of page six. And uh, I'm sure Wayne will be in here any moment. Uh, so, Billy, you're, you're heading off to class, and uh, then Wayne will, will pick up where you leave off. And let's just do this. Before we uh, have Billy come up, let's just ask the Lord's help as, uh, as you consider these things together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, these folks who have seen the importance of being connected to your body and serving in ministry through the church, the local church. And I pray that you'd help us to uh, answer questions they may have, help us to focus our attention on how we can best carry out the mission you've given us together. And we pray that this time together would uh, prepare them for service and would honor you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Billy? Thanks, Larry.
0: Alright, so like Larry said guys, if you open up to page 6 at the very bottom, uh, that's where we're going to start off. Just to do a little introduction, some of you guys know me, some of you don't. Uh, My name's Bill Cochran, and uh, I've been doing the treasury work with Rich Carrico. As you know, he's the one that's been doing it ever since the church, I feel like, was created. And I've been helping him out, and I always joke that he picked me because I have a red beard, just like he does. Except his has a lot more gray in it now, and maybe I'll be there one day. But um, the, the idea, first off, thank you guys for taking the jump to join the church, because we are growing, and it's awesome, and it's awesome to see especially with the young folks joining the church so with finances um with the with the church there's there's really one thing that i want to make sure that we start off with as an introduction and that's that we don't um we don't pressure anybody to give any money and we don't lay down a flat like here's what you're supposed to do so all that i want to do this this afternoon is just get out in front and talk a little bit about what the bible says about giving um, just so we have clarity around what it says and what we should do. Um, and the great thing is that we're sitting in a room right now that has plenty of resources if you want any further information about that. So if you look at the bottom of page six, there's a little introduction, and I'm going to read this verse for you guys. but. It says, it says specifically that one of the priorities of the church is acting responsibly with the resources that we've been giving. For instance, what the Bible suggests with the importance of financial responsibility. And this is found in Second Corinthians, um, starting with the verse 8. But um, I thank God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer into in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this little grift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. So if you have a pen or, or a writing utensil with you guys, I, there's a couple of things that I underline in this verse that I think kinda over overbearingly are the are the important things that we need to know. And that's in verse 19 on the on the tail end where it says we're ministering in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. So when we think of finances, guys, this is honoring the Lord, and we're giving to the church because the church is, 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 God's, is Christ's wife, right? And that's what we're doing is we're honoring what the church is doing. We believe in what the church is doing, and we're eager at the end there, eagerness to show our help, okay? So that's a big one. The second one is that very first part where it says on verse 20, we want to avoid any criticism. And that's something that's super important to us at this church is that there is absolutely no criticism that takes place. Uh, it's important that you guys know that pastor knows nothing about who's giving what and how much they're giving. He has no, no uh, visibility into that at all. Okay, So he can't see who's giving money. He can't see who's giving how much money. That's all done through our finance team, which we'll talk in a little bit about who's on that team. But it's important to know that because that carries no no weight. You know what I mean? And that avoids all criticism that you have to know of like, oh, the pastor's favoring this family or he's favoring this family. That doesn't take place here. Okay. Um, and then the other one is just in that first part of, of verse 21. For we are taking pains to do what is right. Um, Sometimes doing the right thing isn't always the easiest, and that's why it says we're taking pains to do what is right. It's not always the easiest to write a check or to give money that you've earned to the church. But it is the right thing to do because you know that is what's furthering God's mission, right? And sometimes when we give money to the church, we don't always necessarily feel like we see the, like, the tangible return from it like is it specifically affecting me like what am i getting back well the reality is is we're getting god's word spoken by our pastor who's i can i can tell you from experience is one of the best in the business of really truly preaching what god says in the bible and that's part of it the other part is like seeing our youth and seeing them develop and grow right and mature in the christ and in his word and doing it right and then just the fellowship in the in the groups that we have the community groups, and all that good stuff. So we're furthering that on. And then it just kind of, at the bottom of page six, summarizes that up, guys. Paul wanted the financial transactions between the church to be conducted in a way that showed integrity and avoided criticism. At At CBC, we take great points to conduct our finances with the same care. And that's kind of like... If you were in a business and you have like your mission statement, that's kind of like the finances mission statement, if you will, which is integrity and avoid criticism. And that's where we come up here to tell you guys what integrity means. And integrity kind of, in essence, is doing the right thing. And that's what we like to say here at at CBC with our finances, is we always do the right thing with our money. Some of you guys have sat in the quarterly meetings and you've seen the budget, you see what we spend our money on. That's acting within integrity, okay? So, continuing on, turn over to page 7. And we got our philosophy. To fund the biblical mission through our local church, we seek to accomplish this by... You guys got it open? All right, so, Lauren, read the first bullet point. What's it say?
1: Providing for the expenses of our church.
0: Okay, so this is like the everyday, like, what are the expenses that it's going to take to run this church, right? We've got a very big building now. You know what that means? a lot more money it costs a lot more money for the gas for the electric when you have a bigger church and you have a homestead church what do you do with it you have things at the church right so we just had an amazing graduation party here yesterday and the grilled cheese bar was great did you guys have that it was phenomenal it was great I threw jalapenos on there it was phenomenal but the thing is there we are we're running the grill in there right it was did anybody catch what the high temperature was yesterday? Yeah, it was like 95. So we wanted some AC running in here, right? So now that we're having more of this stuff, it costs more money, right? We got a spot AC right there so we can run in here so it's more comfortable. So it costs some more money. That's what we're talking about. Everyday expenses that we need to take a look at and make sure that we're doing to make sure that the church is able to run at effective, like run effectively so everybody's getting the care that they need. Second bullet point. What's your name? Jake. Jake, can you read the second one for me? Taking care of our staff and families. Okay. So this is hugely important to our church because this is, what what's the first name of our church? Community. Right. And so that's super important to us that we're taking care of not only our staff, we take care of our pastor. We take care of our associate pastors and those who work for our church. And we pay them. Right. And we take care of their families. But we also take care of the families within our church. Right. And we'll get to that a little bit later. Third one, supporting our missionaries which I don't know if Larry said he, he got a chance to go over that with you guys, but he will. There are a certain amount of families that we um, that we take care of financially or we give partially to them financially to, um, you know, their missionarying in, in another country, right? And so we give money to them so, so they can further their mission, whatever country they're in, China, India, different things like that. Uh, fourth bullet point, investing in church planning. So this is something relatively newer for our church, but you guys have heard Pastor talking about this church planning network that he wants us to be a part of, um, which I think is fantastic. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of Matt Chandler, but he's, a, he's a, a pastor down in Texas, and he's got his own church planning network. He calls it Acts 29, but his idea is that, is it what's best to have this church congregation of 50,000 people? or you plant churches in the other communities and you grow those churches and then they grow other church planters. And across the United States and across the world, we'd continue to plant other churches. And that's something we believe in at this church is not that we need to have this mega church and that we need to be getting all this money, but we're going to grow a nice community here. And then we're going to grow leaders to plant other churches, just like we did with Pastor Matt Owen, which you guys remember. And now he's down in Florida. And you know what his name of his church is? Community Bible Church just of Florida, not of Michigan, okay? And then the last one, guys, there, being benevolent to those in need. Um, And do you guys know what benevolent means? Could someone tell us what that means? Generous. Yeah. That's a great word to put it. Being generous for those in need. And so back to the fact that we are a community, we take that very serious. And when there's folks in our church that need help, we're generous, right? And that's taken to the leadership team, and they make the decision on, you know, do we have money to give, right? And if we do, how much? What do they need? And these, this can be de- many different examples. This can be an example of, like, maybe um, something emergency happened and the family doesn't have the money that they need to to pay for, like, a hospital bill, something like that. Or, or maybe, um, you know, a husband got let go from work and they can't pay their rent. This month, those are things that we will look into. Yes, ma'am. Um,
2: just as to, to give an example, I had yeah. a fire um, in January where I lost everything. Yeah. And, um, and I'm a and I'm a new member of the church, and I wasn't going to say anything, but my sister had um, let people know that, um, about the incident, and um, Pastor Ken called me, and I didn't realize how much um, how much I needed help. Until it, after it was given to me, and then I realized that um, pride and ego would get in your way. Mm-hmm. But it's such a blessing um, that this church. Showed me that I am a part of the family, Absolutely. and he told me it didn't matter if I was part of the family one day right. or sixty years. So um I'm a, I'm a product of of those offerings that you give, and uh, I'll never forget Absolutely. forget it. And I told him as soon as I'm able, I'll try to play it forward.
0: Well, and and that's a great example. Thank you mm-hmm. for sharing. And that's just an example of God's grace. God God is borne so much mercy on this church and grace that he's given us the opportunity to have funds to do things like that and um, i know you guys are new members but at the same time even the folks that aren't members yet we still treat them as family because this is a community Um, And that could be somebody who's just came visiting once or somebody who has been coming ever since this has been a church you know and and that's that's important to us and that's that's when we pray to the Lord that we, you know, we thank him for the gifts that he's given us and just knowing the guidance and wisdom to do the right things with that money. And, and that's a perfect way to sum up that bullet point there. Thank you. Um, so moving on to the next one, guys, reporting with transparency. Um, and I'll go through the bullet points here. But the church's financial information is always open to our membership. Um, so... This is, I mean, it's, it's all about visibility. We don't, there's nothing that the church family can't see that we do with our money. There's not like a, Oh, you can't look at this section, okay? There's none of that that goes on. It's all transparent, all visible, um, and all questions are answered as to if you have any with where the money's going and why there's a certain budget with a certain category that we pay for towards our church. Our stewardship of church finances starts with an annual budget that's initiated by our leadership and approved by the congregation in the fourth quarter of each year. So that's where Rich and myself... We will, um, in the start getting to the end of the year, we'll start looking. Okay, are we on budget with our categories? You know, is the education getting what they need? Um, is the pastor getting paid what he's supposed to get paid? Those type of things. We'll look at it, just as if it was a business, right? And is our budget? Are we in line with our budget? Are we way under? Are we way over? And then we'll look at that thing, those type of things, you know, the events and the supplies. Are we having more events? Do we need to increase that budget? Different things like that. Are we still getting the giving that we're we're expected to get, or is that less or is that more? Do you have a uh, line item on your budget for benevolence fund? Uh, So if somebody needs something, or is it just as a complex, it comes out of a general? It's a great question. So... There will be times. Um, his question, guys, is like, is there a category on the budget that is for benevolence? And there is a category that says under the flex, uh, under the flex budget, benevolence. Okay. How it works though so is that is a giving, and that's a separate giving. Um, and what we'll do, there will be times throughout the year that pastor will ask and will pass the basket twice, and he'll say, this is the general giving, this is the benevolence. And a lot of times, that's where kind of people just reach in the pocket, like, what cash do I got? And yeah. they do that, and. In our reporting, we have a separate, like, here's what was for benevolence. In the reporting, it's just under giving and what we've gotten, but we know how much. Yeah, that's how the church that I grew up in. Yep. Um,
1: And then follow up and closely related, in that
0: benevolence, Mm -hmm. uh, is is there a team that decides... What is an appropriate use of those funds or is it just Pastor Absolutely great question. So he's asking, is there a team that makes the, the the final decision? Is this what we want to use for the money? Absolutely. So that that would be our leadership team that would constitute the deacons and Pastor Ken. Sure. Um and the you know, so it would be brought up to them, they'd make a decision, they'd reach out to um, like Rich or myself and say, like, Hey, what what kind of monies do we have in there? Can we afford to do this? You know, we give the thumbs up and then we'll do it. Okay. Great question. Um, continuing on third bullet point, the treasurer will report to the congregation each quarter throughout the year regarding the progress uh, on the funding of our ministry expenses. The spending is governed governed by our approved budget. So all this is saying, guys, so that fourth quarter we'll propose the budget for the year, and then every quarter the next year we'll give a quarterly update on where we are with the budget. And that's usually me just up in front at a family meeting, just saying like, hey. Here's the spots where we're maybe a little over the budget or we're a little under the budget. Here's why. Here's a couple of the expenses maybe we didn't expect to have, but we did. That type of visibility you'll have at the family meetings. Um, last, all, fi- all financial information is given to the church's CPA on a quarterly basis to review and prepare financial statements. So I think this one's more of just a reassurance to let you guys know that, hey, we get it over to the CPA and we're not doing anything shady. <laughs> okay, So the CPA takes care of it. They prepare these actual statements and then we have those um, documented here within the church. Um, Following along the accountability and structure, the following positions on our financial team were created for proper separation of duties to ensure necessary checks and balances within the church's finances. So um, the thing that I'll tie this to, guys, I just read an article about this, um, about church finances, and it was really, really good to see because it was saying when you're running a financial um, part of a church, it's very important that you do that within a team, okay? Okay. Because when you only have one person running it, not that that person's not doing the right things, but it's a lot it can become something where like, that just one person knows and not everybody knows on that team. So we have a team here and you see some of the, um, the titles of the team, the treasurer, which would be myself and, and Rich, who's helping me out, responsible for all accounting functions and oversight of the financial team's handling of the church's finances duties include managing the payment of church expenses, developing the budget and preparing the quarterly statements Um, next you'll see an account coordinator primary duties include paying the expenses of the church and categorizing them accurately to ensure proper reporting on financial reports all accounting entries and functions are handled by this position, anybody tell me who that is? that would be Freya if you don't know Freya Enright she does a lot of this, bless you she does a lot of the coordinating and paying the bills for the church if you will um, so she's. if you see her, she's probably half the time writing a check. Um, a lot of times to Wayne. I'm just kidding. <laughs> financial secretary, responsible for managing and reporting contribution statements to our members. Also maintains the financial records of the church. We don't necessarily have a secretary that does this. This is the treasurer that puts the reports together, um, put it in a nice spreadsheet so everybody can clearly read it and it all makes sense. The um, The counters. We have eight trustworthy members who are divided into four teams that rotate each week to account for documenting members offering and to make deposits. So if you ever wondered like, hey, like, do you guys just sit back there and count the money? Well, we have this group of eight gentlemen that um, take care of the counting for us. And what they do is, as soon as they're doing the counting, they directly put that onto our church website um under your name specifically. Nobody can see it. You can see your own though. And that's what they're doing. They'll go, they'll pull up your name and say, here was your giving this week. Um so for taxes at the end of the year. When you give to the church, you're able to write that off on your tax returns. And it's important that you're able to pull up exactly how much. Um, so like we don't miss weeks, we don't miss months at a time. Every single week that you give, these guys will go in there, put it directly with your CBC membership and all that stuff. Uh, on the website so you guys can see, and at any time throughout the year, you can log in under your username and password and go to the, the treasury or the finances and see exactly how much you've given at the year. Now, at the end of the year, we do send out tax statements um, via mail, but you can pull those up yourself online as well, okay? And it will tell you exactly right on there, here's the, tax, the amount that you can write off on your taxes
2: quick question what's the typical turnaround for cashing a check because uh, sometimes it's a delay okay uh, like one time it's a month delay okay it's like
0: okay yeah it shouldn't it should be taking a month uh-huh. um it shouldn't take that long but what these guys do is they'll put all the checks together and then typically Ed Martin will take that to the bank and deposit them at the bank um it should be within a two week turnaround time mm-hmm. but if you see that consistently let me know and I'll make sure that those guys hey can we get these a little sooner or something like that shouldn't be taking a month okay good question though um so you got the counters the accounts receivable clerk were responsible for accounting of non-budget expenses that have been paid up front by the church that are reimbursed um the way that the reimbursement works guys is like if there was something that you had to go spend money on. So for an example, let's say music, right? So say Anthony needed to buy a, a different type of mic, microphone. And he's like, I can get it over here. Right, I'm there right now. He might buy it, and then we might just reimburse him, right? And if you go behind the counter right here, there's what's called a PO form, purchase order form, Where you would fill it out and then we would document that, write you a check to reimburse you if that's within the budget. Okay? And that's what that's talking about is, you know, different things that may need reimbursement. Okay? Uh, Continuing on to the last page, and it'll take two, three minutes here and then I'll hand it over to Wayne. But confidentiality, that's super important. I don't know if you guys ever went to another church, if not, um, but. Our finances are super, super confidential, um, and that's important to our church member family. Uh, We strive to maintain integrity and full disclosure in our accounting of the church's finances, but we'll also insist on complete confidentiality for each individual giving. Each church member has access to their giving records from our church website, which is secure from anyone else having access to them. So just a little side note, don't share your username and password with people. If you do, they'll be able to see what you give to the church. So a little side note. The pastoral staff has no involvement in any function in handling of the church's finance. This also includes no knowledge of members giving records. So um, there are churches out there that pastors have the visibility to see that, um, and they can log on and see what their members are giving. Our pastors do not, um, and they cannot see who's giving. The only person that has access to that would be myself, Rich, and the financial team. That's it, and that's pretty much for the purpose of sending you guys the tax statements. That's all. So personal stewardship. In an effort to assist and educate our members with the handling of their personal finances in a God-honoring way, we encourage all to take advantage of the resource materials here in the Resource Center where we're at now, including financial principles taught in a Crown Biblical Financial Study. So uh, I don't know if you were waiting for that, like, oh, is this guy going to give me, like, the, i got to give 10% of my income? No, we don't do that. Um, We put that on you, and and what we do is we pray for guidance and wisdom, that you get the wisdom that you need in your heart and the guidance from the Lord to give what he feels is right from you. Um, And one way of doing that is by reading, and there's plenty of resources in here that give um, a little bit more guidance on on how you should be doing that, and I'll put that on you guys to read more about that if you don't feel like you have as much knowledge as you would like. Um, But we're not a church that says you have to give this amount. That's just not what we believe in. Um, We do believe that you need to give to the church because it's furthering the mission of the Lord. We just don't put the amount on there. Financial statements, and then I'll close out. Year end financial statements are prepared and sent out at the beginning of each year by the church treasurer for tax purposes. Um, However, you can access them, up to date financial statements at any time. You simply log into your CBC account, go to my profile in the top corner. Um, and then under your picture, you'll see several tabs, one of them which will be financial. You click giving statement and you'll take to a screen that shows the parameters of the givings for the month, the quarter, year to date, whatever you want to see. And no one else, like we said before, can see your financial statement but you, so it is underlined completely private, okay? What questions do you guys have? I know it was kind of like a, let me throw this at you real quick, but I think we hit the points. Um, and just to bring that full loop, guys, uh, the financial team here takes it very, very serious, the, the giving to the church, and that's why we act with an integrity with what we do with the finances, and we make sure that we do the right thing. And you say, what's the right thing? That's easy. You just ask the Lord, and he'll tell you what the right thing is. And that's the way that we act, and um, and it's all very confidential just to protect you guys and not feel any kind of criticism or any kind of just embarrassment that we, we don't do any of that, and we don't want anybody to ever feel that way. Make sense? All right. So he asked me to introduce him by saying, sir, I don't, it was his thing, I don't know if he's been knighted or not, but to talk about the security of the church, guys, Wayne Albright here.
3: Thanks, Bill. You're welcome. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Wayne Albright. I've been here at the church for my family for 13 years now. Uh, we got a 13-year-old son and a 7-year-old daughter. Uh, what makes me the guy to talk to you about security? If you don't know, I've been a cop for 22 years, so I have a background. uh specialize in weapons and tactics. Uh, I teach CPL classes, uh, home protection classes. So many, many years ago, the, uh, the pastor and the leadership team came to me and said, hey, can we do something about uh, setting up security protocols for our church? Because it's pretty important. Uh, and so that's where this stemmed from. Uh, many many years ago, so I, I'd like to think that our church is one of the safest churches around. Um, not being biased, I just I've been in other churches. Uh, and the last year, I've set up security for a number of different churches in the area. So I've come to realize that there are a lot of churches out there that don't have anything in place, and it's pretty it's pretty sad. There's two reasons why a church would just kind of neglect this this part of the the, the uh, service. And one of them is because they, you know, a church doesn't have Somebody that knows how to set something up. All right, there is a lot that has got involved in this. There's two parts to our security. It's the safety and security of our church, and then our child protection. It all fa- falls under the security of our church, uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But there's a lot of churches that just they don't know where to start, and so they don't have anything in place, or they have so few rules in place that they're really irrelevant. They just don't work. Uh, and secondly. There's a lot of churches out there. I, I see this more often: is that they're just naive to think that something would ever happen in their church. And we're talking about, you know, the majority of the churches across the country are like ours and smaller. Um, you know, the mega churches—they're usually all set up. They've got security, armed guards. You know, you know everything to the hill. But these smaller churches, which makes up America, don't. A lot of them are because they are—they're just naive. They—they they don't think anything could ever happen. They know everybody in their their church. They're, they're a nice, close community. Uh, the problem is, you, you just you just don't know what's going on in someone's personal life. Uh, you look today in the news. I mean, the, the tragedy hits our country on a weekly basis, if not daily. Uh, if you didn't know, I mean, there's in Florida there was another mass shooting this morning, and 50 people dead. Uh, all you got to do is go on church shootings or church uh, assaults on the computer and you will read for the rest of the afternoon and evening about church shootings church assaults and so it doesn't necessarily have to be that crazed lunatic guy that comes into a church with the with just the thought of hurting people that does happen the chances of that are very slim it's less than one percent all right but where, where do we get in problems in churches domestic situations you know people bring in their problems from their from the six days during the week and the problems that they have with their families and then bring it to church uh, and so there's domestic situations there's people that, that come in to disrupt and bother churches and most churches don't know what to do so we have uh, we have protocols in place to help with that so I want to go through the two different aspects of our, our security the first one being the safety and the security of the church. Now, if you don't know, um, you've probably seen guys walking around with radios. We do have a security team that's put in place. We've got about 15 guys in the church that are on our security staff. Um, Usually there's only two of them that are, I hesitate to use the word working, but there's two guys that are walking and working during even every given Sunday, and they're just looking out to make sure people are put are where they're supposed to go. They're not wandering the halls. There's not a stranger or a visitor that's like wandering the back hallway looking into uh, classrooms. They're there to help and assist any way they can with visitors and with people uh, that are members of the church. Uh, and that goes for medical issues, uh, issues that help. You know, you got to help with get your kids in from the car. You don't know what classroom to go to. They're there to assist any way possible. Uh, And so that's that's the main focus. Like I said, two guys on, but we've got about 15 guys that rotate uh, to do that service. What are they responsible for? Well, again, we're talking about safety, safety and security. A lot of this doesn't have to do with violence. It has to do with uh, things that are out of our control. What about inclement weather? So a tornado that comes through Trenton and is headed our way. Well, as you know, there's a lot of glass right there in the sanctuary. That's kind of a bad spot in the hallway. If you ever look, if you happen to look above you, there's glass all the way, 360 around in the hallway. All right, so a tornado comes through. There's a potential hazard that somebody could get hurt. And so our security team knows when when, and if that happens. Each one of them are assigned an area of the church. And they double double up. There's two or three guys that will go to every classroom and assist those study school teachers in getting the kids out to our safe area. Now, our safe area for our church in, in an inclement weather situation is right in the middle in our junior area, junior church area. That's the old library. Uh, there's no windows. It's the innermost part of the building. It's about the safest place we can find. And so everybody, including the, the auditorium, would be evacuated into that center spot. Uh, and, of course, from our experience kids do this just fine. Why? Because they practice at school all the time. It's the adults that we have problems with. Okay, So we have people that even help with the adults. So that's inclement weather. What's another area? Uh, a fire. Okay, Now, we had a fire drill last year. It worked very well. We cleared out the building and uh, reunited kids with the parents within about three minutes of this entire building. And the same thing applies with a fire drill. Now, uh, our building is made up of brick, and so the chances of it burning down are slim all right but we also know that smoke inhalation is probably the first thing that's going to get somebody in a fire and so we have a old boiler system old electrical there's the possibility that something could happen as far as smoke and fire in the building and so we have that evacuation plan in place the same thing happens our security team just breaks up they know exactly where to go and assisting in getting all the kids out Uh, We have a central meeting place for everybody in the church, and that's right out by the sign uh, right off of Benson. And, again, you're reunited with your families, uh, and that's the the safest place. What we don't want is a bunch of adults running around the building trying to find where their kid is because they really don't know which room they're in at that point. And so we've, we've caused a little bit of mass confusion that way. So we try to keep things as calm as possible, take things out of your hands, make sure you know everything's safe. That's why we've done... We've done uh, fire drills in the past, so people can see actually see it work and know uh, my kids are safe. I don't have to worry about it. All right. And the third area that uh, that we would actually have to worry about as far as our security would be a lockdown procedure. Now, this is the most extreme type of situation. The chances again of this ever happening is like a one percent chance or even less. All right. But in a lockdown procedure, that's exactly what happens. Doors are locked. Uh, an example of this which would be a common one in churches, would be a domestic situation. So you've got a custody battle. You've got, uh, and I'll just use the, the husband or the ex-husband, coming in uh, in an irate state demanding to see his kids, and he's taking them out of here. He doesn't want them to go to church. Uh, and so there's a potential of a hazardous situation there. We might consider calling a lockdown. Now, we have our radio systems, and the nursery and the toddler room, they have radios. We also have security guys uh, that also have radios. And so if a lockdown were to be ordered, the teachers know, they shut the doors, lock them, and all the kids would line up and sit on the same wall as the door. Why would it be important for all the kids to be here? Because if somebody were to look in the window, they don't see anybody in the in the room. It looks empty. Uh, and so, again, it's unfortunate the day and age we live, but kids... They're fine with these type of drills. It's not dramatic to them at all. Why? Because they do them in school. They do lockdown procedures. They, all this stuff is done in schools now, so they, they're used to it. Uh, if you see on every, every door, or just inside every door, we have a placard, and it's, that, it's our evacuation plan. If you become a Sunday school teacher or an assistant, you want to make familiar, be familiar with that and know the room that you're in, just follow the arrows and know which exit you're supposed to go to in an emergency um, and just understand that we have security guys coming to help you anyway. So um, as far as anything else, as far as our, our safety procedures, as I said, radios uh, we use just because it's much easier to get contact with somebody as opposed to yelling or running to go get someone. Uh, our nursery and toddler rooms have radios. It makes no sense that if there's a problem with a child, let's say a child's is just, just screaming, and crying, sick with a fever, and there's three work it makes no sense to have a worker have to leave the area of the problem to go find a parent all right and that takes time so it's much makes much more sense for them just to get on the radio they can stay in place they can assist and they get on the radio to a security team member we need whatever parent and then we are able to go get those parents yes just a quick question. You said you uh, did the seal My question is: this. the last uh, church I was attending with my family,
1: uh, we had an off-duty officer. We often we carry his piece mm-hmm. with him. Does the church have any sort of bylaws as to whether yeah. people can carry or
2: not inside the building?
1: Yeah.
3: So, uh, good question. So, you know, churches are pistol-free zones for people that have concealed weapons permits. I'm a cop. I carry a gun all the time. Got one with me now. Uh, and I've given waivers to five other guys in our church that are on our security team. Uh, they've gone through my classes. They've gone through obviously a CPL class, but more importantly, I know them personally. I handpicked them, and then they went through extensive extra training above and beyond the CPL training that you would get. All right, so I know that they're. It's, I've got complete confidence that they are okay. We we do training every year, scenario-based training. Uh, You don't need to know who those guys are. You won't even know if they're carrying. That's the whole point of it. Uh, We don't want to uh, make people uncomfortable because there are some people in churches that don't believe in guns. And I have to respect that. Uh, But it's my job to make sure that I I protect everyone, the 300 people that come here and kids, protect them as much as possible. So good question. So a switch, because we only have about five minutes to switch gears. The second part of our safety and security, our security measures that we put in place, is our child protection policies. Uh, One of the things that is our job as church leaders is to protect those innocent people, those innocent kids that come to our church. Many of them are uh, kids from the community, not sometimes kids being dropped off. Uh, A lot of them are our kids, all right? Some of you guys are too young, but... uh, are my kids, and and uh, if you saw in there, I, I was amazed how many we have. The whole second, uh, the whole right half of the church was filled because it's promotion Sunday, and just filled with kids. We have an obligation to keep those kids safe while they're here. All right, and that means safe from injury, safe safe from predators, uh, and it's a it's a topic that it's it's hard to talk about Uh, when i do my child protection classes it's an uncomfortable topic when we're talking about people men usually that are going into churches with the intent of exploiting children and hurting children in that way and so we we have to put protocols in place to try to avoid that at all costs all right does that mean our church with all these security measures we put in place is immune to anything no but I can guarantee, I can say with, with utmost confidence, that we have lowered chances of anything ever happening here. We're very confident that we have been able to keep everyone safe and we will continue to. So what are some of these child protection policies? Number one, if you ever want to, once you're a member, want to work with any of our children. That is from going from the nursery all the way up to the senior high. You have to go through child protection classes. Um, and background checks and things like that. So one of the first policies that we put in place is the, um, is obviously being a member and having six months under your belt here at the church. Uh, why do we do that? Well, we have found that most predators like to go into a church quickly, uh, and there, it's not the stereotypical guy that walks in with a long black trench coat, greasy hair, and doesn't look at you and is scary looking. That's not who we're looking at. Uh, Child predators are guys that you would not ever know, that are very, very willing to come in and work with children, that are very well liked by parents and children, and they're good with children. That's what they do. They groom the children. And so we want to try to avoid that by not allowing somebody just to jump right into a ministry that quickly. Uh, And unfortunately, there's a lot of smaller churches out there now that do that. And so... You have to, and as a combination, you have to be a member and also be here for six months. All right. So you guys have gone through this process, this class, and the other one, and it might be four or five. You might be on your sixth month already. You become that member, and now you want to join and be and start working with our children. And the only thing left to do is to go through our two-hour child protection class. Video. Uh, I do a bunch of of, of other talking, and uh, and then you do. A, there's a background check that you go through. Uh, and once you're cleared, then we can put you in a ministry and help and working with children. All right. So that's one of the biggest things that we have we have changed, and we're very very serious about that. No one can work with our children unless they've gone through that that process. All right. Hi. Yes.
2: You said any adult or minor who is suspected, investigated, or convicted of sexual misconduct. Mm-hmm. Um. I work in the juvenile justice system, and we typically get CSCs two or three times a week, yeah. but they always plead it down. Right. And um, a lot of them go to church, but a lot of them do volunteer work. Mm-hmm. Um, usually when they do get a, a convicted of a CSC charge, it's after multiple offenses. How do you track that? Right. When you know
3: they- That's very difficult. Good question. That's very difficult. What, what we tend to look at is... Those, guys, those people that have that background, that are just skating under the radar, uh, they're not going to voluntarily go through this process. Um, the, and that, that's the whole point of putting all these regulations in place. That type of guy will go, mm, this is too much work. I will move on to the next church. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't feel, I feel bad for that next church. But um, we're here to keep our, our church safe. But, yeah, that's a good point. There's no way to track that because a, a criminal criminal background check won't show those just an arrest. Just, it only shows convictions. So, um, but we do um, part of our process in that with somebody new is a list of churches that you've been at before and references. And we can go through a pretty extensive check um, with our background and our history, and a lot of a lot of the extensive checks can show even arrests so, uh, that hopefully we can weed out it's never come coming to play yet. So, um, what else? Any questions? Any questions about child protection? About our, uh, our security. I think it's supposed to be done at noon. Yeah, I hear them clapping. I think they may be done with the kids. So, if there are no questions, uh, thank you for your attention. And um, that's it.
2: Where is the old Locker located?
3: Right in the center. So the junior the junior high area or the junior area? Yeah. So if you go over by the nursery, it's those it's, it's those double doors. As soon as you're around the corner by the nursery, you walk in, that's those double doors. Yeah. Can I
1: take your CPL classes? Yeah. How old are you?
3: Eighteen. Eighteen? Yep. Were you like to charge money or- Yeah. <laughs> State law. I mean it's yeah, it's um Ken Rapp does them. Ken, Ken Rapp and myself do them. Yeah, but uh, 100 and 115 dollars. It's about a nine-hour, eight-nine hours of class. All right, you get you get all the everything you need to you know to go register and, and uh, get your CPL. That's it. Yeah. I went
2: through this group. Very informative. Yep. They don't play. Like no. So like
0: 150 bucks for the whole course. 115
3: or? for the whole whole course, and then you just and we shoot 100 rounds. So you have to have a gun the 100 rounds. I and mean, you can rent a gun if you don't have one. We have guns that you can rent if you haven't picked one yet, okay. and you don't know what you want to buy. So that, that's yeah. We handle that too. All right. Do you still offer the,
2: uh, the
3: supplemental class? hmm Yeah. Yeah, I do. Man? That's 110. That's a six-hour class. Um, that's a shooting class, where you're actually shooting at somebody, really shooting at somebody with simulation guns. So it's about as real as you can get, and uh, those sting, those hurt when you get hit with them. But that's putting a lot of pressure on you, that's putting realistic situations in front of you and making you make that decision. That's the second decision to shoot or not shoot based on the law. So, when, are you, yeah. when are you doing that one? Uh, I do them all the time. You know, okay. So, I'll get you a brochure if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are a lot of fun. Those classes are pretty intense. Hey, how long have you been an officer? 22 years. 22. Yeah. 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 Three years yeah. left. Three years left. All right. All right. All right. Almost there. Sure. All right. Thank you.